Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling this morning? Man, it's a joy to be here with you today. And if this is your first time at any one of our campuses, whether you're joining us at Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, here at the Greenwood campus or online, and this is your very first time, we want to give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up for all of our first time guests? Someone has invited you because they think you're going to be blessed by what's going on here at Emmanuel Church. And so thanks again for accepting their invitation. And if you're not brand new, hey, welcome back. Uh, you know that we are in a series right now called Thrive. We're actually wrapping this series up. Today is the This is the fourth week of this series. And in this series, we've been kind of talking about this big idea that God has put you on this earth to thrive. That God has created you as a human being, not just to survive, not just to kind of grind through your day until you die and go to heaven if you're a person of faith. Some Christians live that way, um, and <laughs> that's just terrible. But anyway, um, so that's not why God has put you on this planet. He's put you on this planet to, to thrive. And what, what does that really mean? It means to hit on all cylinders. It means to grow vigorously. It means to flourish in your life. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. We've been looking at this verse each week. The thief's purpose or the devil's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's doing a great job doing that. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. Now, there's not many places in the entire Bible where Jesus says with this much clarity, this is my purpose. This is why I came. There's a few places. This is one of them. Jesus says, my purpose, the reason I came to this earth is not for you to pray a prayer and then come to heaven when you die. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to give you a rich and satisfying life right now. The word is abundant. It's overflowing. It means to have more than you need. Jesus has come to give you a blessed life, a life overflowing with joy, overflowing with peace, overflowing with purpose and meaning and freedom from addiction, freedom from anxiety, freedom from depression, a life filled with happiness and love and joy. There's not many people experiencing that today. And the reason is, is because this life is being opposed. This rich and satisfying life that Jesus has come to give us has an opponent, someone who's trying to block us, and his name is Satan. He is the devil. He is our arch enemy. And what's his strategy to block us? It's very simple. He lies to us. Jesus called him the father of lies. He slivers, slithers into our life, just like he did in the Garden of Eden, and he lies to us about God. He lies to us about where life is found. We talked in week number one how the devil tells us that you can't trust God. Week number two, Pastor Cody did a great job talking about how he comes into our life and he says, just go with what your feelings. Just, if it feels good, do it. Then last week we talked about money and we, we talked about how the devil slithers into our life and he says, you know where life is really found? More money. If you could just have more money, that's where life is found. And we've been trying to talk about the truth that, that sets those lies 
and puts those lies in their proper place. And so today I want to talk about this, this fourth lie. And I think it's, man, it is, it is wreaking havoc all over our world today, in our communities, across the globe, because it is so easily believed. Many people of faith, people not of faith, have bought into this lie in our world today. In your notes, here it is. Check it out. You should be mad. <laughs> you should be mad. There's a lot of angry people out there today. Have you noticed? You work with some of them. <laughs> you live with some of them. You're married to one of them. <laughs> Right. A lot of angry people out there today. Anger. It's a tough one. I struggle with it. I've made some progress in my life, but it's still an issue. Jack and I, a couple weeks ago when Pastor Cody preached, we went out to Arizona and we did some hiking in Sedona. We had a fantastic time, and I have some stories to tell you about that some other time. Uh, but really the one I want to tell you today is actually about the trip home. We get to the airport, we're on our way home, and we, lay, we gave ourselves some margin because, you know, things can get a little bit sideways when you go to the airport. And so we get there, and uh, the line to get into security to, you know, go through the machines is insanely long in the Phoenix airport. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm glad we gave ourselves some margin. Let's relax. But the line's not moving. And so I'm, I'm kind of a problem solver. Anybody else? I'm a, I like to kind of evaluate situations. What's the issue here? So I'm like looking around and I, and I look down this long, long line. I'm telling you, it's like from here, from the Greenwood stage, all the way into the coffee shop here at Greenwood. I know some of the other campuses are not here, but <laughs> obviously. Uh, but it's a really, really long line, really long line. And I'm like looking up there like, what's the problem? And there, what, what happened was there was only one TSA agent sliding people's licenses and looking at their, their ticket, and, and it was going so slow. But there were actually four booths with one agent. So I'm like, well, there's the problem. So I'm looking around at all these other workers at the airport just standing around. There's three over here, and there's one over here. And I'm just like, hey, could you maybe open up another line? Like, you guys, you're standing there. I didn't say that, but just observing. They literally were doing nothing. And, and I'm like, can we, can, this line's not moving. Like, we got a flight to catch. And, and, and so they, one dude turns to me and looks at me, and he, and he said the words. And at this point, I was pretty chill. But then he said these words. He looked at me and he said, well, you know what he said. That's not my job. And when he said that, something just triggered inside of me. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're doing nothing. You're standing there. You can't go get another TSA agent. You can't tell them that this line's not moving. And, and so I just kind of, it was just really started to, I felt heat behind my eyeballs. Anybody ever you get that? This little fire. So I look at this other person on my, on my right, and so also an airport worker, and I said, you know, okay, could you help out? You know, this line's not moving, you know, and, you know, they said something very similar, like, I'm, I don't have authority to open up another line. I said, well, can you go talk to somebody? No, you know, we can't do that. And so now, now I'm just mad, okay? I'm just, I've, I've, I've crossed the line, and now, I'm, now I need to gather some, some people with me, because that's how anger works. You know, you, you want to share it. <laughs> so I start talking to the two ladies, and, can you believe this? I mean, it's just, here's the, of course, it's a government-run agency, TSA. They don't care, you know? The whole government's, you know, like this. You know, they're all incompetent. You know, let's start talking about this, and that, the president. Let's, uh, you know, and, now I, and I get their attention. They're like, you know, you're right. You know, TSA is terrible. And now, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and it's so funny because the, Jackie's standing right next to me, and she's, she slowly starts to turn her back on me like this. <laughs> and she starts deleting, going through her emails. She wants nothing to do with this little, you know, gathering that I've created in, in line. <clears throat> 
30 minutes go by, you know, we're still, you know, we finally get to the front line and we're the next person to put our license through. And all of a sudden, uh, a TSA agent shows up and they open up another line right when I'm there at the end of the line. So I guess it was good for everybody else behind us. But anyway, it's easy to get angry today. People get angry at lots of different, lots of different reasons. If someone, someone talks over you, someone tells you what to do, right? There's lots of, someone's not driving the way that you would like them to drive. I heard a guy say to me last night, man, when I get behind a wheel, I'm a different person. Like, it's like something happens on the road. Uh, you, know, there's, you know, there's so many different, somebody has a different political per, uh, position than you and they're always talking about it and they're not open to changing their mind. It's, that's frustrating. It makes us angry. Someone's incompetent. Someone cheats. Someone does something at work or maybe your spouse does something and it's, it's like there are things that happen. Someone doesn't pay you back. They, you lent them money and they don't pay you back. Someone says something about you online. I had a friend recently tell me that he was called uh, a piece of trash by someone else online. I mean, people say things. There's so many things that, that can make us angry. A couple years ago, I read this book, Unoffendable, which is a fantastic book. If, you're, if you want to kind of drop some anger from your life and be less offendable, great book. Grant Hansen says this, and I agree 100% with him in the book, he says this, anger is extraordinarily easy. Have you noticed? It's easy to get angry. It's easy to get mad. It's our default setting. Now, if you're raising kids, you get this, right? If you've raised kids, if you have grandkids, like no one has to teach them to get angry, right? Their brother takes something from them, they're mad. You try to take their iPad from them, they're mad. You know, tell them to go to bed, they're mad. Kids get mad, right? It's just a default setting. It's how we come into this world and we're prone to anger. Why is it so easy for adults to get angry? Here's why. I believe one of the reasons is because it makes us feel like we're morally superior. Think about it. Think, think with me critically here. When you get angry with someone, you're angry with them because you think they've done something you would never do. Whatever that is, whether that's cheating or lying or saying something they shouldn't have said or gossip or being incompetent in an airport. I would never do that. What's wrong with you people? You guys are a bunch of, you know what? <laughs> Boneheads, right? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> when you're angry, it, it gives you this high ground, this moral high ground. And, and, and the dark side of human nature, and I'm just going to be honest with you, this is, this is me included, this is all of us. The dark side of human nature likes it when someone is worse than us. The dark side of human nature likes it when we feel better than someone else. And so that anger gives us that feeling of moral superiority. And some people actually thrive on it because it gives them that sense that they're better. Some people even make a sport out of being angry. Anger is the tone of their overall life. It's a powerful emotion. It's a toxic emotion. But why do we really become angry? See, I'm one of those people that that likes to think deeply about these types of issues. Like, I don't want the surface answer. Why do we really become angry? You say, Danny, you just told us why we get, because people don't drive, right? They, they're incompetent and they talk over us and they don't listen and they cheat on us and they don't pay us back and they, don't, they say things they shouldn't say. And I know it seems like that's why we get angry, but that's not why we get angry. Hang with me. In your notes, I wrote this. We get mad the real reason we get angry, the real reason we get mad is because things don't go our way. See, that's the, the root cause. 
The circumstance around us is the thing that happens. Someone, someone is incompetent. Someone doesn't know how to go through a roundabout. Someone doesn't, you know, you know, doesn't whatever, whatever. Those are the triggers. Those are the circumstances. And they change for all of us. Someone doesn't do their job, right? And now you're mad because they didn't do what they said they were going to do. That seems to be the reason why, you, but it's not the reason why we're mad. We're mad because things didn't go our way. I wanted the line to move faster. I wanted to get to my gate so I could relax and read a book and get a cup of Starbucks and chill. And you're stopping me from getting to my gate. You see how this works? I'm not getting my way. This is how it works in a marriage. See, we like to blame the circumstance for our anger. You're making me so mad. No, 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 no. I'm mad because I'm not getting my way. Oh, that's a deep thought. That puts the responsibility where? Oh, we don't like that. We don't like to say it's my responsibility to deal with my anger. We like to point at the person or the circumstance and say, you're the reason. The reason I'm, I'm mad is because this situation happened because you did something. See, we really get, and, and if you think about children, this, they're, they're the perfect example. Why do children get mad? You took their iPad. They wanted to continue to play video games. So they're mad. You told your teenager it's time to go to bed. They don't want to. They're mad. They're not getting their way. We get angry for the same reason. That's why Dallas Willard said this. If you want to get rid of anger, if you want to step out of anger, it means you have to surrender your will to God. You have to stop acting like God because God is the, run, the, the only one who really has the right to get his way because he's God, not us. We're created, created beings. It means that you have accepted that you don't have to have your own way. Can you believe if you made a fundamental shift in your life can you, can you imagine if, if you decided, like, I'm not God and I don't have to have my way? You, you, can, can you almost feel, like, the freedom that would come? You'd be able to let go of anger. Things happen, circumstances happen that cross you, and, and you're like, well, I don't have to have my way, so I'm not mad. See how that works? Powerful, powerful idea. Now, I don't believe that anger is the real real culprit in our life. I think it's it, 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 anger or getting mad sets us up for failure, but it doesn't cause failure because everyone gets angry. No one's going to go through this. Life. I get angry. Like I get mad. Like, but, but it's not the mad. It's not the anger that really causes the damage. And, and you'll, you'll understand this once I tell you. The damage, in your notes, I wrote it like this. The damage is really caused by what we do out of anger. Oh... That's where the damage comes. See, we get mad, and then we have the next thing that we do. And that thing that we do, or don't do, really determines how our life is going to go. You with me? Let me give you an example. You guys remember Kevin Ward, 2014, August 9th? He was in a race with Tony Stewart, a sprint car race. Some of you remember this, yes? Those of you are race fans. I'm not a race fan. I don't understand going around circles and circles and circles and circles. It makes me dizzy. But some people love it, especially sprint car racing. And, and Tony Stewart bumped Kevin Ward in the back and sent his car spinning into the wall. Anybody remember this? Yeah? And Kevin Ward Jr., 20 years old, just a young, young guy. He's so irate. He's so angry. What does he do? He gets out of his car on the track and starts walking down the track into traffic because he wants to get uh, uh, Tony Stewart's attention. 
And maybe he wanted him to stop and get out and fight. I don't know. I don't know. But he gets down into the traffic and he starts to, and I have a a photo for you right here. This is Kevin Ward in traffic pointing at Tony Stewart. And about a split second later, you guys know what happened. Tony Stewart ran him over. Killed him. He got sucked under the car, threw him 25 feet in the air, and he died from traumatic wounds to the body. 20 years old. He was irate, angry, mad, and it cost him his life. That's an extreme example, but look what the Bible says. Proverbs 14, verse 17. Short-tempered people do what? Come on, come on. Short-tempered people do what? They do dumb stuff. You don't get out. Of, of your race car on the track and, and fight a, a speeding race car. Like short-tempered people do. Fo- You've done it. You've said something to your spouse because you're mad. Yes? Anybody honest? I have. I've said many, 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 many things <laughs> that have hurt my wife. You know, I've lost trust with her at, at some levels because I was mad and I said something. Right? Said something to my children because I was mad. Did something. You've made that post. You've thrown that punch. Some of you have spent time in jail because you were mad. You did something. You took revenge. You got back at someone. And it's like, man, that was so dumb. Why did I do that? Because you were angry. It, it, here's, the, here's the powerful thing about anger. It, it makes you, it makes you uh, 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 you're under the influence. You're like a drunk person. You really are. And that's why you do foolish things like We would all agree that we do foolish things when we're drunk, right? (laughs) I mean, that's a given. But then you add anger to that, you do really foolish things when you're drunk or when you're angry and you're drunk. (laughs) Bad combination. There's an incredible story in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, about King David. And I just love this story because it shows the humanity. Like King David is a rock star. Would you agree? He wrote the Psalms. Like he's the man after God's own heart. He became the king of Israel. Like David's awesome. But you know what the Bible does? It shows his humanity. One day he's out taking care of some sheep for this guy named Nabal, who's a really wealthy dude. And David's on the run from, from Saul at this point. He hasn't become king yet. And uh, his men are out in the wilderness and he goes to Nabal and says, hey, for the last couple of weeks, we've been watching over your sheep. Could you, you know, we're hungry. We don't have any food. Can you feed us? Just spare a few lambs or whatever and, and we'll be on our way. And everyone knew at this point, including Nabal, that David was going to replace Saul. And Nabal's like, Dude, I ain't giving you jack squat. Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but that's my translation. He says, who are you? Who is this David? Lots of servants are running away from their masters these days. I'm not giving you anything. And he insults David. And David's ego is like, it's, 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 it's a healthy ego, okay? And so he is offended. Listen to what he says to his men. Get your swords. Get your swords. And 400 of David's men started off. And look what it says in chapter 25, verse 22. It says, this is what David says, may God strike me and even kill me. He's imploring God here. He he thinks he's in God's will. He thinks he's doing God's plan. May God strike me and even kill me if one man in his household is still alive in the morning. Get your swords. Really? All he did was insult you. You're going to commit mass murder? Do you see how anger makes you really, really dumb? Yes? 
See, some of you right now, and this, this, this sermon might save your life, it might save your marriage, might save your job. Some of you have your sword out. Tomorrow's Monday, you're like, I can't wait. <laughs> and, and, and God is looking at you today, and he's saying, put the sword away before you do something really, really dumb. Before you lose your job, before you lose your spouse, before you lose your relationship with your son, put the sword away. Thankfully, Nabal was married to a very wise woman. You know her name, Abigail. Abigail finds out that David's coming to kill her husband and every other man in their household, probably their sons and everything. So she quickly gathers together like 200 loaves of bread and all these different, you know, raisin cakes. And she heads out to meet David before he can get to the camp where they lived. And she goes to him and she says, hey, it's all my fault. Thank God for sensible women. You ladies, level-headed, sensible, godly women, you save our butts sometimes. Men, can we, can we look at our women and say thank you? I mean, because we, 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 we have the big egos. Get my sword out, you know. Calm down, big guy. She says, David, you're going to be the next king. You don't want mass murder on your conscience. You don't want, your, you don't want this stain on your resume. You know what David says to her? Praise God for your advice. You have saved me from committing mass murder. Wow. Maybe today I'm saving you from doing something foolish. Not me, but God through me. Put your sword away. The lie is that you should be mad. The truth, and that's what we have to combat Satan's lies with, is this real real quick. You can't thrive unless you stop being mad. You can't. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to flourish and experience a rich and satisfying life if you are angry all the time. It's not going to work out. That's why Paul said in, in Ephesians 4, verse 31, these powerful words, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of it. Take it out like you take the trash out. Put away the harsh words and the slander as well as any other kind of evil behavior. Like, get it out of your life. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, but wait a second. Jesus got mad, didn't he? Come on. Didn't he flip the tables over? And didn't he, you know, wasn't, didn't he crack the whip? And wasn't Jesus angry? And Jesus got angry so I can get angry? Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yes, Jesus got angry. <laughs> note, to, note to self, you are not Jesus. <laughs> I mean, if someone didn't tell you that recently, I just did. So if you think you can handle anger the way Jesus did, more power to you, because I can't. And I think Paul knew that, and that's why he said, get rid of it. Get rid of it in your house. Get rid of it in the airport. Get rid of it at the job. Get rid of it everywhere you go, because it'll ruin your life. People do foolish things when they're angry. Now, how does that, all that work? How do we begin to get rid of anger? I think it begins with understanding, understanding a couple of things. Number one, we have to understand that anger causes us to miss the will of God. Like when we're angry, we walk right out of God's will. Now, if you're interested in walking and being aligned in God's will, anger is going to derail you. Listen to what James says. Powerful words. This is the brother of Jesus. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and say it with me. Slow to anger. We're going to get angry, but hey, let, let, let push the brakes on this thing. Why? Because when you're angry or human anger does not produce the righteousness 
God desires. Now, that's an interesting word, righteousness. What does it mean? Well, think about Psalm 23. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The word righteousness means the right ways of God, the path that God would take, the words that God would say, the decision that God would make. That's the righteousness God desires. Your job as a Christ follower, my job as a Christ follower, is to walk in paths of righteousness for his namesake. But when we're angry, we can't do that. Why? Because remember why we get angry. Remember why we get mad. We get mad because we didn't get our way. We don't get mad because God didn't get his way. We get mad because we didn't get our way. And when, when we're angry, we're acting as if we're God. And then we do things in our own wisdom, in our own strength. What? Why? Because we didn't get our way. And so we walk right out of God's will when we get angry. Paul, James says you just, you just miss the will of God. This is why we say things that God wouldn't say. This is why we do things that God wouldn't do when we are angry. Now that understanding helps me. It helps me to sit down and back away from human anger. Secondly, anger destroys you emotionally. It really tears you apart. It is a powerful, toxic emotion that, that wants to take over your life. And this is why you can be angry at, at one situation or one person, and then all of a sudden someone else who's done nothing to you, totally innocent, sometimes it's the dog, <laughs> they get the wrath. Do you see how that works? Because anger kind of takes over your whole life. That's what it wants to do. It wants to dominate and the dominant emotion of a disciple is supposed to be what? Love. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's supposed to, love is supposed to dominate your life. Shortly behind love is joy. A pervasive sense of well-being. Right behind joy is what? Peace. Rest of soul rooted in the sovereignty of God. Love, joy, and peace are supposed to dominate our emotional life. But when we're angry, can we be loving? Can we have joy? Can we have a lot of peace? Yes or no? No, we can't go right and left at the same time. This is why Ralph Waldo Emerson said comically, for every minute you're angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. Because it's impossible. It's impossible to do both at the same time time. So, okay, so we have to understand those two things, but then we have to also get super practical. How do we get rid of anger? Let's talk about it. Number one, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Every athlete before a match, before a game, has been in preparation. Every singer, every musician goes through this prep work uh, night and day, week after week after week before the event. Well, life is like that. And the event is life. And we have to do a lot of preparation. Here's how I prepare. I love people. You guys know that, right? I couldn't be a pastor if I didn't love people. But I also think people suck. Okay? <laughs> I'm just a realist. I'm an optimist, but I'm a realist. And they do. They really do. People suck. They're going to let you down. They're going to be selfish. They're going to stab you in the back. They're going to be disloyal. They're going to say things that are not true. They're going to slander you. They're going to cheat. They're going to lack integrity. You want me to keep going? <laughs> and so I'm a realist, but I, I, I still love people. I just think they have lots of issues. And because of that, I'm preparing myself every day. I'm going to bump into some of these folks today. You with me? Listen to what Hanson says in the book. Perhaps a big part of being less offendable is seeing the human heart for what it is. And what is it? Untrustworthy, unfaithful, prone to selfishness. He stops there. He could have kept going. 
But he says, that's enough. Got it. Now we don't have to be so shocked. Why are we so shocked? Why do we say this? I can't believe. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe he said that. Why are you shocked? She's a human. He's a human. Why are you so shocked? And what this does is it helps us to deal with people who are just, in your opinion, in my opinion, struggling. Struggling to, to, to do the right thing. And you're going to bump into them. And so you're, you're almost prepared. You're like, okay, today I'm going to run into somebody that's probably going to say something about me that's not true. It's probably, I'm going to run into somebody today that didn't do what I asked them to do. And so if you're prepared, guess what you are? You're on the balls of your feet. You're, you're, and you're ready to go. It's like, yeah, I didn't think you would follow through on that. It's okay. Let's work with it. Yeah, I didn't think you'd be loyal to me. So let's work with that situation, you know. I didn't expect that, you know. You say, man, you're, you're depressing me. I know, but it's just true. <laughs> and it helps you to get less mad if you prepare yourself. Now, part of the preparation process is also, number two, choosing to forgive before the offense. You're going to get offended. You're going to get offended. Choose to forgive before the day begins. What this does is this puts your heart in a posture of forgiveness. Would, you know, and, and before, before someone even does something to you, you're saying, it's okay, I've already forgiven you. <laughs> I've canceled the debt. You don't owe me. Because that's what really, you know, a grudge is. It's holding, you know, a debt against somebody. But when you choose to forgive, you're canceling that debt. And you're doing it ahead of time instead of waiting for the events to happen. And now you're all wounded and hurt. And you didn't expect it. And you're like, you can't believe. And you know, all this stuff. And now you've got to pull all of that emotion. And, and then you've got to choose to forgive somebody when they've done something to you. What if you just choose to, uh, chose to forgive them before they offended you? I think this is the, the power of the Lord's Prayer. I love the Lord's Prayer. It's not his prayer. It's our prayer, you guys are going to get that soon. It's not his prayer, it's our prayer. We pray, he doesn't pray it, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth, as it is done in heaven. Then look at the next verse. Forgive us of our sins, verse 12. Watch this. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. See, it's written into the prayer that we are supposed to be people who forgive. It's a way of life. It's a posture. And, and Jesus, would you please forgive me as I have been forgiving people for the last 10 years? I've been trying. It's a posture. It's a way of life. I do it before it even happens. Can you imagine how much anger would decrease in your life if you would choose today to forgive your husband, to forgive your wife before the offense takes place, to forgive that coworker, to forgive that family member, that mother-in-law, father-in-law, that cousin, whoever. Can you imagine Anger would never get a foothold in your life. Let's talk about number three. And so prepare yourself. Choose to forgive ahead of time. These are super practical. They've blessed me so much. Number three, you have to say these words to yourself. You did it too. Anybody else talk to themselves? You're, I talk to myself all the time. Uh, it's okay to do that. And I tell myself stuff. And, and the, the, one of the best things that I've ever told myself about this issue of anger and getting mad is that you, hey, Danny, pay attention. You did it too, bud. The same thing that they did to you, at some point you did that same thing to somebody else. You talked about somebody. You weren't driving the speed limit like you should have been. You made that turn without putting your signal on, right? You messed it up before. You were unfaithful. You were not loyal at some point. Why are you so mad at him when you have done the same thing in the past? Wow. This just sobers you up. 
It brings clarity to your mind. You have no right to get mad at someone when you have done the same things. In Romans chapter one, Paul tells us this perfectly. He, he puts it in a little argument like this. He says in Romans one, there, you know, he's explaining why humanity is the way it is. We've exchanged worshiping God as God for the worship of created idols and images. And because of that, God has given humanity over to a depraved mind to do all of these horrible, awful things. And then he makes this list in Romans chapter one. You can read it when you get home. Then he starts in chapter two. Watch what he says in chapter two. For those of us who think we're better or we would never do those things, you may think you can condemn such people. You may think you can look down on such people as trash. But you are, say it with me, just as bad. Why? He says, you've got no excuse. When you say they're wicked and they should be punished, watch this, you're condemning yourself for you who judge others do the, say it with me, very same things. Paul, why do you keep taking me off the moral high ground? I like being better than other people. I like when people are worse than me. It helps me to be mad and justified in my anger. And then I'm brought down to earth with Paul's insight because he's absolutely right about you and about me. We've done the very same things. And if we haven't done the very same things, we've done something extraordinarily Similar. Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman emperor and also a Stoic philosopher, wrote these words. Whenever you're about to find fault with someone, ask yourself the following question. What fault of mine most nearly resembles the one I'm about to criticize? Guys, we've got to do this stuff, man. We've got to think deeper about life. We can't live on the surface. I can't believe I'm so mad. Really? Have you never done something like that? Have you never said something like that? Have you ever, you've never been disloyal, ever? You've never been unfaithful? You've never taken a little bit off the top? You've fudged on your taxes a little bit? You, you, you've never, you're perfect? Come on. And when you become aware of that, and, and, and I try to be so aware of that, like, Whatever I'm looking at in the world and I see people doing something, like, I could, here's what I try to tell myself. I could do that too. I have the potential. If I was raised in that home, if I had those types of friends, if I, was in the, if I had parents like that, I probably would doing, be doing the same exact thing that they're doing. And that just humbles me and brings me down to earth so that I stop getting mad and angry and judgmental. Is this making sense? Yes or no? Practical ways to overcome anger. My question to you today is a difficult one, and it might make you mad. Will you stop being mad? Here's what I'm going to tell you today. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. It doesn't produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't bring about God's will. It's actually a trick that the enemy has you. Paul said, when you give in to anger, you're giving the devil a foothold in your life. Whoa. Powerful words. I've given you some really good action steps to take and some strategies, some understanding and, and some things you can do to start to move out. I haven't figured this out. Obviously, I still get mad, like in the airport, but I'm much better than I used to be. And that is the goal. Not perfection, but progress. Yes? Yes? Now, as we wrap up today, yeah, I was thinking about this last night. I was like, you know, if anybody has the right to get angry, it's God. I mean, think about it. You create 7 billion people and, and we're down here just making a mess out of this place. You agree? I mean, 
bunch, he's probably up there going, what a bunch of knuckleheads. Greedy people, selfish people, lying, cheating, hurting each other, wars, Holocaust. I mean, oh my gosh. What he, if anybody has the right to be angry at the human race, it's God. But instead of being mad, instead of being angry, God has demonstrated grace to us. You see, God is, his character is such that he has to deal with sin. He has to deal with unrighteousness because unrighteousness can, cannot be in his presence. And so he's got to handle it and deal with it. He can't just sweep it under the carpet and say, you know what, all the sins of humanity, I'm just going to kind of ignore it and forgive everybody. And I'm a God of love. And, 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 and because I love everyone, I'm just going to ignore everyone's sin. And everybody gets to go to heaven when they die. He, like he can't do that because he's righteous. But on the other hand, He's also loving. And so he, he strikes this insane balance by sending Jesus to this earth to become unrighteousness, to become every lie, every, every, every act of unfaithfulness or every act of sexual immorality, every, every sin that's ever been committed. Jesus becomes sin for us. Why? Because God could, he had to deal with it some way. So the way he deals with it is he, he has his son pay the penalty for sin. And when we trust in him, we can be forgiven. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross to set up churches in a religion. Come on. He died on the cross to redeem humanity. He died on the cross so that human beings can be in relationship with God. He died on the cross so that the sin that we've committed can be washed away as we trust in Christ. Have you stepped into that? Because that's the story. That's the big story of what's going on in the world. It's not politics and this and that, America versus this, it's not, it's not. The big story in the world is humanity being redeemed to mankind. And you're, be, you're listening in right now on, on, on the big story, the secret story, that God is still redeeming people to himself through the cross. Have you stepped into that? I hope you have. If you haven't, I'm going to say a simple prayer. You could take these words, make them your own. Step into relationship with God right now. You're not joining a church. You're not joining a religion. You're starting a relationship with God by asking Christ to forgive you of your sins. He died in your place. Reach out to him right now. Pray this prayer. Ask him to be your savior and forgive your sins. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you paid the penalty I should have paid. You paid the debt that I owed. You did it because you love me. So I simply trust you today. I put my small, weak faith in you. And I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me from my sin. Be my savior. And from this day forward, Teach me to simply follow what you say. To take your words and obey them. Help me to live that rich and satisfying life that you promised. Teach me to overcome anger. Teach me to be satisfied in you. Teach me to trust you deeply and to put my hope and my life in your hands. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church wants to celebrate with you.
We have put together a little starter kit for you if you trusted Christ today. We call it our saved box. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Inside this box, there is a Bible that, you, uh, that we're gonna give you to start reading. Uh, there is some instructions about small group, baptism, and there's also a coffee mug in here to say congratulations. You can text the word SAVED to 65248. Grab one of these at the information booth at your campus. Or if you're watching online, you can uh, text the word SAVED to 65248. Put some information in there about your address and we'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory, amen? Will you pray with me? I'm gonna hand things off to the local teams and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Father, thank you so much for the word that it instructs us to get rid of all wrath and anger and bitterness out of our life. That it does not produce the righteousness that you desire. When we're angry, we do foolish things. Teach us to live above it. Teach us to get it out of our life so that we can experience a rich and satisfying life. The life that you came to give us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.